0: He's five six, one Uh, uh, sixty three. How big can he possibly be? Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I am your host, and I am five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. All right, guys, it's been about a month since the last time I sat in front of this microphone and you guys heard my voice. Sometimes life happens. A lot going on. Just got married. Then it was Christmas break, the kids, New Year's, just a lot going on. And there was no Notre Dame football games to really talk about. There was a lot of stuff going on. Yes, But, I just had too much going on to really get a recording in, and now is the time we had a game, and we get to talk about it. Now, you also might have noticed, if you're a long-time listener, my intro was a little bit shorter than it normally is, but I wasn't about to play the Victory March after the Fiesta Bowl disaster, and I thought about playing the alma mater, but... I don't want to be somber when I'm about to get excited after I've been home for a while, had a couple drinks. I'm going to be loud and boisterous about a lot of stuff. So let's let's just get into it. But before I get really into it with Notre Dame, just a real quick update if you hadn't seen. Alabama and Georgia are playing for the national championship in just a few short days. Those games didn't, well, one of them went the way I wanted it to. Michigan, which by the way, I guess Michigan should never, ever, 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 ever be allowed back in a college football playoff game again, right? Isn't that the rule? If you get blown out, you should never be allowed back, right? Oh, wait, hold on. (laughs) Sorry, guys. It's only Notre Dame. That only applies to the University of Notre Dame. I didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, so Michigan got their ass handed to them. Phenomenal. Um, Cincinnati looked like they were challenging Alabama for like a half a minute there. And then they got blown out. But, again, are we going to talk shit about Cincinnati? Of course not. They were a group of five team. They were lucky to be there. Blah, 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 blah. Why are we going to talk shit about Cincinnati? Are we going to talk shit about Michigan? Michigan. Well, they, they get a lot of shit talked about them already. But I don't feel like a lot of people are dogging Michigan. But yet, as soon as Notre Dame loses, let all the shit talking start, right? For whatever reason. I And we're going to get to that. But we also, there, there's stuff I will be able to talk about as uh, after this episode however long this ends up going but we got some coaching changes happening as we speak you know we're looking for a wide receivers coach hopefully we get one of the ones we really are targeting and want we're get uh, harry Hestan came back that's huge that's ginormous because talent was never a concern on the offensive line It was getting the most out of that talent and coaching them properly. Uh, we got a new special teams coach. Uh, Just a lot lot of changes in the coaching staff. And and transfer portal stuff, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff. Positions of need, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we can even talk about Boston accents if you'd like. Uh, Boston doesn't have... Sorry, hold on. Boston isn't known for their fucking accents, all right? Those fucking queers up in Boston don't have an accent. They park the cars and they go down and they don't have accents when they come out talking, all right? I don't know where Brian Kelly comes from, what land of make-believe he lives in. But if you want to tell me he wasn't serious, I'm sorry. To how many years of listening to him talk, I feel like we know when he's joking and when he's not. And if you think he was joking when he said Boston doesn't have an accent, he's really, really good at satire. I mean, he is an expert at being sarcastic and being satirical. Or he's really that much of an idiot. And you know what? That's just the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, Cousin Eddie, just put him up there. Brian Kelly is the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. But we're not going to talk about all that. Let's get into the Fiesta Bowl. Fiasco, as it's been called. Without further ado, watch me for the changes and try to keep up. So, if you were blessed to watch this game, which I know pretty much all of you have, it could not have started better. Your emotions could not have been higher. I don't know what your condition was, having coming off of New Year's Eve, if you were recovering, if you had decided, you know what, I, I need to be alert and coherent for this Notre Dame game. I'm going to bed early. I, I don't know where you were. But the way that game started, it didn't matter. You were as high as a kite. You were thrilled to pieces. 28-7? to 7? I mean, it was it was fireworks. All all the jokes I made over the years about Notre Dame's offense. Let's see fireworks. Oh, here's your sparkler. We actually saw fireworks, like legitimate. Fire. It was exciting. I didn't know we were going to throw the ball so much, and we'll get to that. But to be up twenty-eight to seven in that situation. On that stage, you know, just like, okay, this is, this is it. This is the Freeman era. Let's go. Let's go. (sighs) Then we blew it. And it was a slow burn. It was such a slow burn that I, it was like a, a slow motion crash. Like it didn't happen like that where you can be pissed immediately. It was just this slow, slow burn that by the time oh my god, sorry. This we have a new neighbor and their dog, I don't know if you can hear it, is just yapping, yapping. I it's almost losing my focus. I'm gonna get mad about the dog before I get mad about the fiesta ball. Jiminy Lou. Anyway, yeah, like I said, I've been drinking a little bit already. It's all in good fun, guys. Let's have fun. Uh It was a slow burn to where you wanted to be mad, but you're like, no, we're good, we're we're still good. Okay, we're not as good. Okay, we're losing. Okay, it's worse. Oh my god, we're gonna fucking lose it. Like it, it didn't happen in a way that set me off. Like the it was a build, but I didn't explode. It was a weird thing. And maybe it was also the thought of, okay, was Marcus Freeman's first game. He's still trying to figure things out. This is Tommy Reese's first game as the OC without being under Brian Kelly's thumbprint. Like, there was a lot of stuff happening that you try to rationalize and justify and all that. But at the end of the day, we lost 37-35. And how in the fuck did that happen? Like, how? How do you go up 28-7 with a minute and 16 seconds left in the first half and lose 37-35? That's just... Like, it's unacceptable. Obviously. But... Let, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean... There's there's a lot of things we can look at. There's a lot of, like, missed tackles, for example. Tackling became optional again. That looked like fucking Florida State all the fuck over again. But hold on, the silver lining with that is, yes, Florida State looked like shit. We couldn't tackle anybody. Couldn't tackle anybody last weekend. I get it. But is that because of the layoff? Eh. Maybe. Probably. Possibly. Is that because Marcus Freeman is now doing a lot more things and not just doing the defense? Maybe. Probably. Possibly. You know, what's the reason? But what I can tell you is, yeah, that sucked. But if we've learned anything over one season... That's crazy. It's only been one season with Marcus Freeman, and we, he's ours now, which is fine. I am all for it. But if we've learned anything, that we can always point to, you can't argue that the defense, what he was responsible for, did not get better as the season progressed. You cannot tell me that that did not happen, because it one million percent happened. So, well then you get well. If it got better, how come that happened against Oklahoma State? again time off Marcus Freeman is now in charge of many things not just the defense i don't know but missed tackles were a problem they were very much a problem that had a lot to do with possessions being extended on the Oklahoma state side and which obviously led to points you know you could point to lack of adjustments and is that again? Does that go directly back to Marcus Freeman? I don't know. Uh, some of the adjusting we hadn't played an offense quite like that, in my opinion. I didn't think they were going to be that good, but um, is is it on Freeman to maybe not burn a timeout to switch up the personnel? Because that's what it, on defense on defense it was a personnel thing. They had too many receivers and we had too many linebackers on the field. It's that simple. But is that the personnel, even if we took the linebackers off the field and put on different personnel, are we guaranteed a stop? I don't know. Because is, is do we have the guys to do it? I don't know. We can can you put that on Freeman? If we don't have the guys to to defend what they were doing? Probably not. He's been there a year. It's, it's not his recruits. Right? exactly. but lack of adjustments were an issue defensively, in terms of just and, and one thing that I think we could have done again, I don't know exactly the, the specific answer to this statement, but spy uh, Spencer, whatever the Spencer Sanders uh, put a spy on him. He was killing us and I and for years. For years, I dreaded, and it will still exist. I'm saying like it stopped. I dreaded playing mobile quarterbacks. For whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason, we don't have speed. We haven't had speed, defensively. Enough speed. And the the mobile quarterbacks just murdered us. Just field, field days. Field days. Highlighted by Denard Robinson. Which, fun fact, Spencer Sanders put up the most offensive yards against Notre Dame since Denard Robinson. I know you all remember that fucking shit show of a game. But, I feel like that would could have been an answer. But again, is that an answer? I don't know. One thing we could have done was maybe not blitz as much. Because one of the problems was, we were blitzing, which forced him to move, but then nobody was left to tackle Sanders. Like, we ran past him and then he'd run up the. It was, it was a weird thing to watch. We, all, all the Blitzers, linemen, whoever's whoever rushing gets in the backfield and we tackle nobody. And some of it wasn't even about lack of tackling, it was just lack of being where he was. He, he was athletic, he can move, he was their leading rusher, for Christ's sake. You know, but lack of adjustments defensively were a little frustrating. I don't get it. And then lack of adjustments offensively. You can't throw the ball sixty eight times and win. It's just, it's not. It's not fucking Madden football, okay? It's not. It's not fantasy football. We didn't win the game because we had the best stats. That that was not how this game works. It's not fantasy football. It's not Madden. We don't have to throw for 500 yards and throw the ball 68 times to win football games. That's not a recipe for success. And you know what? I I think I'm right, but I haven't double-checked this. But I... Well, obviously, Oklahoma State was the most yards passing Jack Cohn had all season, but I'm pretty sure number two was against Florida State. And that took a last-second field goal to beat Florida State. So clearly, throwing for... A shit ton of yards isn't the recipe for success. And when you're up twenty-eight to seven now granted, this isn't fair The twenty-eight to seven, they got the fourteen. We didn't have the ball. But now we're up twenty eight fourteen. And we're we're passing the ball all over the fucking place, and it's successful in the first half. We cannot argue that. Jack Cohen's first half stats were fucking stupid. Okay? He was like 73% passer, 342 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for? Except, oh, I don't know. Maybe the last 40 seconds, try to move the fucking football into field goal range or something. And Dora missed one. And we lost by two, and we'll talk about that too. But he missed one. He's still got a leg. Let's try to get field goal range. Why not? Instead we sit on the fucking ball and do nothing. I don't get it. But it was weird because we made an active choice to be one dimensional. And then when we had that one dimension clicking we decided not to be aggressive. I don't know if that's on Freeman. I don't know if that's on Reese. I don't know who it's on. But it was that we were aggressive when we should have or we were not aggressive when we should have been. But then... We come out of the locker room. We're up 28-14. And we let them go down the field. Now it's 28-21. And I just felt like we should have been more conscientious of the situation. And, you know, you come out, we're throwing, we're throwing, we're throwing, because that's what worked in the first half. Well, it's not working in the second half. Okay? And then... There were just opportunities to be conservative. Not a lot of opportunity. I know we went from 28-7 to 28-21 in two possessions. I get it. But there were opportunities to be a little conservative. And I'd argue, if Brian Kelly was our head coach, at the point we were 28-7, I think we won win the game. Now, the counterpoint to that is, and this is where I stand... We would never have been up 28-7 to with fucking Brian Kelly under uh, as the head coach. That would have never fucking happened. Do you really think he's going to let Jack Cohn throw the ball however many fucking times he threw it in the first half? Do you really think that was going to happen? Nope. We would have continued to run it for nothing and run it for nothing some more and probably would have been up like 17-7 at the half. And it's just, if he's the coach... We're not up 28-7, to but if we were, I think he would have held the lead. Because I feel like Tommy Reese was trying to make a statement of some kind. Like, hey, Kelly's not around. Watch this. Well, that's fine. But at some point, you have to recognize that what worked in the first half is no longer working. I mean, how many three and outs can you have before you decide to make a change? And... But you know what? Before I go into this, because this is gonna be a big, a big thing for this episode, I I do want to talk about the good things that did happen in the game. Again, just try to try to keep up with me. But I, I do want to talk about, you know, the positives, the things that we can look forward to, like Lorenzo Styles. Dude went off. And quite honestly, if you throw the ball sixty eight times, my God, somebody better go off. To be fair, but no, he looked great, he looked awesome. I look forward to the future with Lorenzo Styles on our team, and he wears my favorite number. That's fantastic. But Styles went for eight for 136 and a touchdown for Notre Dame standards. That's huge, okay? That's huge. But right behind him was Chris Tyree, six for 115 and a touchdown. Fucking awesome. And that's, that was weird, okay? Tyree was utilized so much in the first half and then just disappeared in the second half. And, uh, again, is that adjustments from Oklahoma State? Is, uh, are we doing something different? I don't know. I'm not a coach. But, Styles and Tyree look great. And then, Michael Mayer is the beast that he is. Seven for 72 and a t- two touchdowns. Um, Those were basically our three leading receivers. And, They can do that all the time. We just got to have other stuff happening, like stopping the other team and recognizing when we shouldn't chuck the ball 68 times. And I did leave one. Kevin Austin had a great game. I I skipped him in the statistics. He had a great game. Uh, He's leaving. I don't know why. That's his decision, His choice. I wish him the best of luck. But if I'm, we're being real, that's that's a risk. I mean, I I've heard it said a lot of different forums, but there's a lot of Kevin Austins in the NFL, coming from college into the NFL, and Kevin Austin could have stayed another year. And maybe had a, a few more of those big games, you know, with a, a system that clearly is going to try to get the ball to those guys. But he left. is what it is. But uh, Styles, Tyree, Mayer, all coming back, all had great games. Fantastic. Our D-line, amazing. Our D-line is good. You know, I, I'm not going to – I'm going to focus on the good. The good is they are good. Yes, it would have been nice to get a few more sacks on Spencer Sanders. I get that, but he's also a very elusive quarterback, and their D lineman. But if we get these guys back, you know, like uh, uh, Justin, Adam and Lola is coming back. If we can get Jason, and then if we get Foskey, like if we can get these D linemen guys coming back, our our D line was the strength this year, all year. And it could be again because everybody will be back. That would be phenomenal. I would love to see that. But, you know, we, we did do some good things. You know, obviously, to get a 28 7. Our offensive line gave, like, fig, go figure this shit out. If I told you Jack Cohn is going to throw 68 passes and you drop back, I don't even know the exact number, uh, but I think you drop back like 73 times because he had a few rushes and uh, but but my, my the point I'm trying to make is if I told you that Jack Cohn was going to drop back 70 something times and only be sacked twice you would have told me get, get the fuck out you're out of your mind that's not a thing like he's not going to get sacked twice you're crazy uh, let me see if I can do the math here. Uh, 74 times. He dropped back 74 times. because He had four rushes and two sacks. And those four rushes went, oh no, that's part of the sacks. Okay, so it was 72 times. Four rushes for negative four yards. Um, but he did have... He had a long rush of four. But anyway, he dropped back 72 times and only sacked twice. No way. So credit to the offensive line, because we had heard that the defensive line of Oklahoma State might be a problem, and we were told that they might get some sacks, but credit the offensive line, which includes two fucking freshmen on the ends, the two tackles, the, the toughest, and I'm not an offensive line. I don't know, but the tackles get picked on the most because that's where your fast edge rushers are coming from. The tackles are who Isaiah Foskey makes look stupid every week. And we got Blake Fisher and Joe Ault, boom, manning their post and doing their thing. You know? It's just unfortunate that Jack Cone can't run and the few opportunities he did have to scramble. That was, it wasn't good. But our our, our offensive line looked good in that regard. We couldn't run the ball for anything, and I, I I don't understand that angle of it. That's why we're glad Harry He stands back. That should be a good thing. That should be a good thing. You know? And to finish the good things, we went eleven and one. We played in a New Year's six game. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. I said we would uh, begin the season back in January. I said we go eleven and one and make a New Year's six game. A year ago I said that. And Based on all the projections, such as we're going to go 7-5 from, uh, I don't remember, Bill Connolly, I think it was. Said we're going 7-5. Get the fuck out of here. Our over-under was 9 wins. That's why I bet bet that we'd go over 9 wins. And I wins money. And I did. So 11-1 is good. It didn't end exactly how we wanted it to. Okay. But that might have been a blessing in disguise. And I'll get to that as well. But let me... Go all all the way back to where I was about to go. And I don't know if it's Reese. I don't know if it's Freeman. But something I couldn't figure out for the life of me was why Tyler Buckner never, not once, not for a snap, not for a second, entered the game. He never came off the sidelines. And I don't understand this for the life of me. Now, not a lot of people are talking about this as much as I'm about to. But I want to because I don't want to just regurgitate a lot of stuff you've heard if you listen to other Notre Dame-centric podcasts. I I don't want to just reiterate things that have already been said. You know, it's already Thursday. You've heard everything from the day of the Fiesta Bowl to to today. So I want to bring this up. Because I feel like it needs to be discussed. Not enough people are talking about it. <clears throat> then you get a shit ton of people that are pushing back on the idea. And that makes no goddamn sense to me. Pushing back on the idea that Tyler Buckner should have entered the game. Okay? The fact of the matter is, you could say, well, why are you gonna put Tyler Buckner in? Look at Jack Cohn's stats. Look at what he's doing. You're right. Look at what he did. See? Not what he's doing, but what he did. <clears throat> Excuse me. We got to look at what Jack Cohn did. What he did do was throw for 342 yards and a half of football and four touchdowns. Fantastic. 73% completion percentage. Fucking awesome. You know what he did in the second half? That you're so like, oh my God, he's so amazing. These are Jack Cohn's second half stats. Okay. 14 to 35. That's a 40% completion percentage. He threw for 167 yards. That was 33% of his total yards. One touchdown, one pick. And the one pick was huge. The one pick is a problem. I hate being the guy that's going to pick on the one pick when he threw for 506 506 and five touchdowns. But the fact of the matter is, the one pick was huge. And now at no point, I don't remember who he was trying to throw to I honestly don't, but at no point was the receiver open that was never and I like that receiver was never an option like what were you doing? but he threw the pick, but his second half stats were not good like things are that's a problem and then I got people going, well, you know, Jack Cone kept him honest. What are you going to Buckner in for? Buckner's one-dimensional. Jack Cone was keeping him honest. What? what? What game did you watch that I didn't? I must have missed. I must have blinked. Because it could not have been more one-dimensional. With Jack Cone under center. I'm sorry, but when your total offense is 551 yards and 509, I said six, I'm sorry, 509 yards of your 551 are through the air, you could not not be, you are the reverse of Navy. You are that one-dimensional passing. You are old fucking uh, Hawaii or Texas Tech under Mike Leach. Throw for 509 and run for 42? That's pretty fucking one-dimensional if you ask me. So, to say, well, Buckner's one-dimensional, well, then what the hell was Jack Cone? 92% of the offense came through the air. That's what What you got? You got no answer, because that's one-dimensional. We averaged two yards a carry. At least Buckner would have provided a threat. We attempted to run the read option with Jack Cone. Why? I have no fucking idea. I've been saying it all season. Jack Cohn does excel at things. And we saw that in the first half. We've seen it throughout the season. But he does not excel in any type of running game threat. You know who does? Tyler Buckner. You know who was on the sidelines all game? Tyler Buckner. And the people are like, well, you can't just bench Jack Cohn. Well, no shit. No fucking shit. I didn't say bench Jack Cohn. I said put... Buckner in for a handful of plays. Do something. Do something different. Our second half was insanity. It was doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different fucking result. And you're not going to get it. Oklahoma State figured it out. Whatever it was, they figured it out. Because it didn't look anything like the first half. So maybe throw Buckner in. Because the read options that we did attempt to run with Jack Cohn... Guess who they didn't even fucking look at? Jack Cohn. Because why would you? He's not keeping it. And if he does, he's not getting far. <laughs> like, what's the difference? At least put Buckner in. And I go back to the idea of being conservative. You could have taken some more time off the clock. Because if a, I'm going to play the what-if game, if... Oklahoma State doesn't fumble into the end zone if Spencer Sanders doesn't fumble at the 15 or whatever the fuck it was Oklahoma State would have won by more than two but the fact of the matter is they did only win by two and maybe maybe I am crazy maybe I'm too much scotch, scotch, scotch down to the belly right now but all we needed was one scoring possession that was the difference. One scoring possession. That's it. One scoring possession. A field goal wins the game. Three points wins the game. You're trying to tell me that Tyler Buckner couldn't have come in for a few plays to provide the spark to move the ball down the field just a little. I'm not, he am not even to be in for the whole series. They did. That's the thing. That's the thing. You act like, I'm saying you. The listener, I don't know if you were the ones challenging me on this idea, but for the ones that were challenging me, it's not like Tyler Buckner, some fucking grab bag. Let's—I don't know what to, what's going to happen. Let's just light it and see what happens. It's a mystery firework. No, you've seen it all fucking season, all season, outside of the few games he missed because of injury. You knew exactly what you were going to get with Tyler Buckner. Why did that not even enter the equation to switch it up? How many three-and-outs was it going to take before we had to mix it up? And then we... Now our backs are against the fucking wall like there's no tomorrow and we get a garbage-time touchdown. But... It should have never come down to that because, yeah, adjustments on defense. Okay? Again, I don't know what you could have done because I don't know that we have the personnel as it's currently set up to combat whatever they were doing offensively. Okay? And Clarence Lewis did lead the team in tackles. He had 10 of them. That's because everybody that he was guarding caught the ball then he had to tackle them. <laughs> it's pretty easy. I'm going to lead the team in tackles. How? I'm going to let everybody catch it then I'm going to tackle them. The hell of a strategy. Like but it You don't want your secondary leading the team in tackles. That's a problem. That means they got through the first two lines. They got to the third level. Okay? When your secondary is leading the team in tackles, that's never good. Okay? Unless you have a blitzing safety or something like that. You don't want your secondary leading the team in fucking tackles. That means your D-line and linebackers are not making the play. And that's what we saw in the second half. All fucking day. And then when they finally got to that third level, we would miss the tackle. I, Whatever. But I want to stay on this Buckner thing because the idea that he's one-dimensional and it wasn't going to work, that's just dumb. We've seen it all year. It's helped. He's provided a spark that almost every fucking time. So why would it not work in the Fiesta Bowl? If you're gonna tell me, oh, the stage is too big, it's a the ball. Bullshit. I just I think Tommy Reese is trying to prove a point. I don't know what that point was. Like, Jack Cohen's my guy. Let me show the NFL that he can throw the ball 68 times. I I don't I don't know what the angle was there, but Tyler Buckner should have entered that game at some point in time to provide a spark. Because it kind of goes back to the times where we griped about Cone. Like put in Buckner, what's the worst that could happen? We go three out and three and out again? Because I do believe that it was going to be mostly run centric. Which would have been one dimensional, sure. But within that one dimension, you want to say he's one dimensional. But I'm sorry, the read option. The word option exists in that I what he does. So yeah, you could say he's one dimensional, but okay, is he gonna give it to Diggs or Tyree or is he gonna keep it? That's much more of a fucking threat than Jack Cone is doing the same goddamn thing. What's the problem? What's the problem? And if he make he can make easy throws, we've seen it all season. If you Come out of the read option, and he starts running. You come up, and then he dumps it over the top. He threw a touchdown to Tyree doing that shit. He threw a couple passes to the the slot guys doing that stuff throughout the season. Again, he played during the season. It's not like we've never seen him. And fucking, let's hope for the best. No, like I don't understand the idea that it would have been a horrible wasteful uh, effort to put Tyler Buckner in the game makes no sense not to mention he's our future like let's see what he can do because three and out three and out three and out three and out got pretty old pretty fucking quick alright I I don't get it Jack Cohen was awful the second half for all of you that want to say he was oh, he's amazing 509 yards did you see it five touchdowns it's fucking fantastic He got, like, I I don't know the, the, what, 67% of his numbers in the first half. Like, if you want to be real, he was on pace for 700, no, not quite. Sorry, my bad. He was on pace for 680 yards and eight touchdowns. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I get it. But you can't have 340 at the half and end with 500. Just like... And, and, okay. Let me... You can do that if you're still up whatever to seven. If we won that game 42-21, to 21, it'd be perfectly acceptable for Jack Cone to only have 167 yards in the second half. But when you're ultimately losing the game because you keep throwing the ball and doing the same thing and they're stopping it, whatever, change it the fuck up! But that's... We learned. We lived and we learned. So that's where the blessing in disguise comes in. Okay? It would have been awesome to win that game. Side note. Shout out to my boy, Nathan. I bet that game. I was convinced we would win. Okay? So I lost money. So I should be even more pissed. That we blew a 28 to fucking 7 lead. Because I lost money on the goddamn thing. First time I lost betting Notre Dame this year. Between betting the wins. The games I did uh, bet on. Because the lines were just stupid. No respect. And. And I lost because I did get Notre Dame at one and a, neg- Negative. I did get Notre Dame at. Minus one and a half. When the game went off. It was Oklahoma State minus one. I still would have lost. Even if I bet at minus one. We lost by two. But. Um the The fact that we lost can be an okay thing. Okay? Tommy Reese came out like barn like a barnstorm. It was phenomenal. We that's what we want to see. But at some point you have to, to manage it. You can't just You can't play Madden. You can't play Madden in the booth. You can't just fucking keep throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. That's not a recipe for success. There has to be some sense of balance, okay? And Harry Heastan, I think, will bring that. I keep bringing him up. <clears throat> I don't think we realize how big of a deal this is. You know, the, the talent is there. And I'd argue we have more talent top to bottom than we had when Heestand was here. And he was sending first-round draft picks out the door every year. So let, let's get that train going again. You know? But we're up 28-7, to 7, and we're all sitting here thinking, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is awesome. The Marcus Freeman train has fucking left the station. I hope you were on board because it is not stopping. But it it may be okay. I say maybe It is okay. It will be okay that we lost because Freeman and Reese learned something. That's the only thing that can happen, okay? Everything in life is a learning experience, okay? If you have if you choose to make it one, you know, you have, you have to make that choice still. You know, as a man who's been married, divorced, and married again, everything in life that happens on a daily basis, big or small, you can learn from if you choose to. You can choose to ignore it and say, Nope, I didn't do anything wrong. I I didn't do anything right. I, There's nothing to be learned from what just happened. Well, that's ridiculous. Everything in your life on a daily basis, I promise you, you could think right now, go back through your day and think about something that happened, and I promise you, you can learn from it. Go to our bed! Be like, oh, don't do that again. Oh, wait, oh keep doing that. Okay. Everything's a learning experience. So that's exactly what this festival was. Because if we want to be real about it, outside of grief and fucking Twitter banter and whatever, And I guess a Fiesta Bowl trophy, so there is something tangible. But in the grand scheme of things, what was going to be gained from winning the Fiesta Bowl? Like, what was the big gain? Because what is happening with the sound? I, I don't know what was to be gained in the big picture. That's where I'm at. So winning would have been fantastic. But I also said this, and people gave me grief for this. I said, well, if Marcus Freeman won, would it have turned into the Brian Kelly 2012 to 2016 run, which crashed and burned like you wouldn't believe? Because you look back. In the moment, I don't think anything anybody thought this. You know, but you look back, twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We got to that national championship with some smoke and mirrors in 2012. Let's be honest. And maybe some of us realize that in the moment. If you did recognize that, the good good on you, man. Good good job. Cause I don't I mean, I mean I think I did, but I didn't in 2012, like we're lucky, yes, whatever, but we're twelve and zero. Uh, we're we're the best. So, but I think in retrospect, getting there as soon as we did under the Brian Kelly era, it it hurt us in the long run. I truly believe that Brian Kelly probably sat there and said, "Huh, like we're good. I just got us to a national championship. I'm not going to change anything I'm doing." Why? We went 12-0, we, so we lost to Alabama. That was a generationally good team, which they, keep seem to, they turn out one every couple years. Huh, <laughs> go figure that out. But Brian Kelly, I think, got too comfortable. Like, hey, we're good. And then 2016 happened. And then we had to overhaul the entire program. And so 2017, I don't care what all the fucking haters say. We are a top-five program. Without question, since 2017. You cannot argue it. Wins, college football, playoff appearances, uh, just uh, the players we put in the NFL, like uh, all the metrics you can use. We are a top five program since 2017. Okay? And it's kind of like, well, if Marcus Freeman continued, that train kept rolling. January first in the Fiesta Bowl, and we end up winning, say forty-two to twenty-one. Maybe there's a sense of like, we got this. Let's go. But there were there are some deficiencies, obviously, that need to be addressed and attacked. And you better believe he's the guy to do it, because he did it all season defensively. Everything that went wrong, it got better and better to the where it wasn't going wrong anymore, right? I realize it went wrong in the Fiesta Bowl. Again, I don't know what... He wasn't the defensive coordinator anymore. Like, it's, it's hard to really put it on there. But personnel. Is it a personnel issue? That's not his fault either. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise to force him to make those decisions. And learning opportunity for Tommy Reese. Maybe don't throw the ball 68 fucking times. You know? So... The blessing in disguise is this game win or lose it wasn't as detrimental as maybe it felt. It wasn't a season in season loss that cost us from making the college football playoff. It wasn't a loss in the national championship game or in the college football playoff that cost us a shot at the national championship. It was a upper level new year 6 bowl game that would have been very nice to win obviously to get a monkey off our back and get haters to maybe calm down a little bit sure that would have been phenomenal but i want to try to find the silver lining in this whole fucking thing because that's all you can do we have to you have to learn from it you got to find silver linings in life because if you don't, you're going to be a miserable son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is what it is, okay? So the silver lining is, okay, let's look at what, look at where we're deficient. Look at where we struggled. Look at where the problems were. Look at what we did and didn't do. We were aggressive when we shouldn't have been. We weren't aggressive when we should have been, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the other thing. Guys, get comfortable and be very accepting of the idea that this is a first time head coach and some things get learned on the job it's just unfortunate for Marcus Freeman that we're watching him learn on national television because we've all had new jobs we've all changed companies whatever the story is you might be doing the same thing in a different company right but you have to learn on the job a little bit right but was your learning experience broadcast over Twitter and national television and all different forms of social media and everything else? No, it wasn't. But if it was, I bet it wouldn't be awesome. I bet you wouldn't appreciate that. So let's be a little understanding and accepting of that idea. That, hey, he's learning. He's He's got to, unfortunately, make some mistakes to, to learn from them. I say he's gotta make some mistakes. He doesn't have to, but he's going to. Just like Tyler Buckner is gonna make some mistakes. He didn't he didn't run the full gamut of being a quarterback this past season. And for whatever the fuck reason he didn't even play in the Fiesta Bowl. But all signs point to him being the guy under center in Columbus next year. So you know let's see what that brings. But, at the end of the day, it was not fun. It was a slow burn. We lost. We had them. It was a team in Oklahoma State that I don't think historically is going to stack up against any of the other teams we've lost in recent history in in the postseason. Um, it sucks. But, I I think it's going to be okay. And... It's an opportunity to learn and move forward and take that into 2022 and get it right. You know, and, you know, before I get out of here and stop rambling, uh, you know, we're, we're going to look forward to 2022. I know we got, I almost said we got Columbus. I know we got Ohio State and Clemson on the schedule. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's not that daunting. And we got the guys to win minimum ten games. And I I I'm gonna do my preview like I did last year. Uh do my my best to go a little in depth and hey, I called eleven and one. So I'm, I'm one for one as a podcaster and calling Notre Dame football records. You know. But and we'll we'll get there. But I think we have a lot to look forward to in twenty twenty two. You know, we gotta get more guys. For sure, we're not done with the recruiting cycle, and I haven't really touched on recruiting because I want to wait till the official final, you know, national letter of intent day, which is I, I, I don't even February second, so, I, I don't know if it's Groundhog Day, but I want to wait till that's all really done, and then we'll look at our recruiting class and discuss and so on and so forth. But what's a new wrinkle is this whole transfer portal thing. I'll touch on that real quick. There's only really one thing I really want to talk about. Everybody keeps putting out, oh, look who's in the transfer portal. Let's get this guy. Let's get this guy. Look at that guy. Oh, hey, receiver, safety. We have to look at guys a little bit deeper than as simple as he's good, he's this, he's that, let's get him to Notre Dame. Because he may not get admitted to the University of Notre Dame. In order to graduate and get a degree from the University of Notre Dame, at least 50% of your credits had to have been attained while enrolled at the University of Notre Dame. What does that mean? Well, I think you need 122 credits to graduate and most students get around 30 let me do the math 4 years 122 divided by 4 most students get 30 plus credits their first 2 years it kind of slows down not a lot a lot but it slows down your junior and senior year like most most kids get 16 credits a semester 32 year so it's at 64 after your freshman and sophomore year at least that's what i did and then i was able to because once you get to junior and senior year you're more focused on your major and your <clears throat> the classes are a little bit tougher they're not just core classes that everybody has to take they're more focused and so on it requires more time and effort and so on and so forth so you're not taking as many classes so you may lose a one course worth of credits but you're still going to get to that 122. I'm saying all that to say, a lot of these kids are already going to be at 60 plus, if not 64 specifically, number of credits. And you can't, Notre Dame's not going to accept you. You can't bring 64 in when you need 122 to graduate and you're required to get 50% or more of your credits while enrolled at Notre Dame. It's just, it's math, not to mention what credits do and do not transfer. That's the other wrinkle, you know. You have to consider uh, some of these schools. Some of the transfers, uh, some of the credits don't transfer. I went through that. I went from a small school in Indiana, shout out to Franklin College Grizzlies, down to Texas A and M Corpus Christi. Shout out to AM Corpus Christi for almost beating Notre Dame. That was a fun little thing. But I lost credits because Franklin has a religious. Element uh, is a Baptist school, I had to take a religion course as a freshman. That didn't transfer for shit to AM Corpus Christi. I played football for Franklin. There was an athletic credit or credits tied into what I received at Franklin. That didn't transfer to A&M Corpus Christi. So I had to go to school either over the summer or just go into the fall for what ended up being four and a half years. So I, I'm saying all that to say some of these transfer guys look fantastic and look great and everything else, but there, there's an academic side of this. Academics matter. University of Notre Dame has put academics first for a very long time. There's a reason a degree from Notre Dame holds so much value. Okay? It, there's so many facets to it, but part of it is our enrollment is so minimal I say hour like I went there. My dad did. I didn't. But the enrollment's so low that having a degree from Notre Dame is a big deal because not a lot of people get it. You know, it's not Texas A&M College Station, which has an enrollment of seventy-three thousand two hundred and something. I'm sorry, but if I went to A&M Corpus Christi, I'm part of the A&M system. But just in general, exclude that. Even going through high school when I was in Texas, it's like A&M UT. You got to pick one just because you're in Texas, I'm like, fucking a and UT people suck. But the fact of the matter is, 73,000 kids, if they all graduate, I'm sorry, but having a degree from A&M, it's like, that'd be, the, the town I grew up in New Jersey, where I grew up, if the town's population times like two and a half all had a degree from A and M, College Station. Like, okay, cool. Your entire town, plus, or plus times two and a half has it like it doesn't have as much value. That's why a, value, a degree from Notre Dame is a big deal. So academics matter. We have to remember that. You have to remember that when you're looking at these transfer kids. So, in shout out to Jude Seymour. What is it at NDJRS on Twitter? He's the he's the one who kind of enlighten me to all of this you know it it academics matter it's not just as simple as hey he's a good football player get him in the school it doesn't quite work that simply but uh, the last thing i want to do is it's 2022 i've been doing this podcast for almost a year my first episode was january 21st 2021 that's when i started this account on Twitter, at five foot nothing pod, and thank you, all the long time listeners, new listeners. I got over seven hundred followers in a year. That's ridiculous. Like that's that's fucking cool. Okay, like I didn't not expect any of that. So if you're a new listener, I hope you enjoyed whatever this just was. You know, I. If you have questions, reach out to some of the people that always comment on my stuff. They'll tell you. I. I'm a good guy, I promise. I have fun doing this. It's all fun. There's no there's no money. I'm not making anything. I'm literally having fun, having some drink, and being a fan. And it's really, really cool for me. I, I do hope everyone had a ha- uh, happy New Year, Merry Christmas, all that good stuff, got to be with family. I did. Good times. Those are unforgettable moments, which is why... It's been almost a month since I did an episode. But for real, thank you all so much for uh, appreciating what I do. And if whatever app you're listening to this on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, Google, you know, like it, rate it, leave a review. Tell you what, if you leave a review and I see it, I'll I'll read it. I don't care if it's good bad or otherwise. Um, I really don't, like, I'm self-deprecating, I can handle it, but I, I do appreciate everyone that does listen and tune in to when I do put these out, it, it, it gets me excited, I've been wanting to put out this episode for several days, it's just, you know, being a dad and a husband and everything else, it's easier said than done, but, uh, Thank you all so much for tuning in for the past hour. I hope I made your Thursday night just a little bit better. And I don't know when I'll be back on the airwaves. But I will try to get another episode in here in the next couple weeks before the final National Letter of Intent Day. And I will see you all on Twitter. 5 for nothing. 100 nothing out